Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Today we're going to wrap up our series entitled Treasure, God, and Money. And um, excited about uh, finishing up this series. We've talked about the relationship between God and money. And it's important to realize that, you know, God should be our treasure and He wants us to trust Him with our money. Now, as I think about this, I want to share a little bit about my testimony. I became a Christian at 17 years old. I was a senior in high school. And as I was going to the local church there, uh, getting involved in Sunday school, getting involved in youth group, I was taught by some good teachers. And one of the first things I learned was biblical giving, what the Bible says about giving and why we should give. And I began to tithe. And that was a big deal. I was 17. I had wheels. I had my first job. And even though it wasn't much, 10% of something is still 10%, right? And the more you make, that 10% is a little bit more. And so I started out small. I started out simple. And I would uh, give the 10% of what I had. It wasn't hard. But then, you know, you get a little older. You get a little bit bigger paycheck. And you're like, ooh, are we still doing this? Yes, we're still doing this. And, and um, you know, God has taught me through the years to trust Him uh, with that 10%, and he makes that 90% take care of all my needs, and I have no regrets about that. But as I was t- thinking about this message today, my title is The Motive for Being Generous, because I believe God wants us to be generous. That's really the outcome, okay, is to be generous like God is. And, and I want to talk about the why behind that. What is the motive for being generous? And as it got me to thinking, I got to thinking about other people and my experiences combined, and even as a pastor through the years, the, the ways I have seen people teach on giving and appeal to giving, and I want to share what I've learned. Like, for instance, through the years, I've seen people uh, appeal to people to give by appealing to guilt, okay? You don't have to raise your hand. I think if we're all honest, we've been there, done that, we've seen that somewhere. Um, I'll never forget years ago, uh, a young lady that had done uh, started coming to our church, and, um, and uh, she was new to the church, and um, long story short, she called me up one Monday morning in a panic, and I'm like, what's going on? And to make a long story short, um, she had come from a background where the, the pastor required everybody to tithe, or you didn't come, and if you didn't show up and didn't tithe, he was knocking on your door, and I'm like, wow. And so she had given not just because she was taught, but she was giving out of guilt. Like if, if she didn't do it, she was scared something was going to happen. And uh, I've seen people give out of guilt before. And um, uh, then the next thing I've seen, and this is popular uh, on certain uh, outlets. Uh, if you listen to certain health and wealth and prosperity preachers, they're out there. I don't have to name names. You listen, you'll discover who they are. And uh, they appeal to greed. They want you to give so you can get. And at the end of the day, I just think that's selfish. And when I look at the Bible, what does the Bible say? I don't think it's, uh, I don't think we should give based on guilt. I don't think we should give based on greed. I think we should give based on gratitude. Uh, somebody said, if you give to get, you're not really getting. Or let me say it again. Somebody said, if you give to get, you're not really giving, you're trading. And I like that. That's true. 
but gratitude, as someone said, takes three forms. It's a feeling in your heart, it's an expression in your words, and it's a giving in return. And, and at the end of the day, that's my goal here, is to help you understand that the motive behind generosity is gratitude, okay? And when you and I go to the, the Word of God, when we go to the cross of Christ, you will see very clearly and very quickly how you and I should have gratitude for all that God has done for us. And out of that gratitude, that creates generosity where we want to give to God what rightfully belongs to Him. And then we become generous just like the God that we worship and we serve. Um, so why should we give? I want to go to the Scriptures on this one. And let's look at that. I'm going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I want to answer the question, why should we give? Well, first of all, we have the example of the early church. Look there in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. This is his second letter. He says, we want you to know, brothers and sisters about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. Macedonia is a province. Uh, during a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints, and not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us by God's will. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. Here is an example in the early church, and this church is in the province of Macedonia. In other words, it's not even in Israel. This is a Gentile congregation that didn't grow up with the Old Testament, didn't grow up with all those uh, laws about the tithing and stuff. And by the way, if you add up the tithe in the Old Testament, it was a whole lot more than 10% when you really get to looking at all the different uh, uh, laws and stuff that were there at play. A tithe is a 10%, but they had different tithes they gave at different times, and that's why I say they gave more than 10%. But here's what I want you to realize. Here is a Gentile church outside of Israel in the province of Macedonia. And Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and he's, as he's going through Gentile country and as he's going through places where there are churches, he's collecting an offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem because they've come on hard times. And Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, is trying to bridge uh, a relationship between the Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians. And so he's taking up an offering from the Gentile believers that's ultimately going to go to Jerusalem to minister to those poor saints that are in Jerusalem. And he's building a bridge between these uh, believers that have grown up in two different completely religious worlds. And so here is Paul. He comes to Macedonia and he shares what he's doing, and they want in on it. And Paul says, look, these churches in this province of Macedonia, they had gone through a severe trial, they had suffered a lot, and uh, they had a lot of poverty. They just didn't have it. And yet he said that their joy rose up despite their poverty, and it overflowed in a wealth of generosity. 
and they gave beyond their abilities. They gave more than he expected, and maybe they gave more than they should have, but they gave beyond their ability. And then he tells us how they did that. He says they begged us earnestly for the privilege in sharing in this ministry. They, they, they wanted to do it. They, they asked for it. And he says they did, didn't do as we had hoped. Instead, there in verse 5, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. Did you see that? You see, in, in the early church, even those that were Gentile congregations outside of Israel that didn't have the example and the history and the heritage of, of the Old Testament and what it required to give, they wanted to give. And the reason why they wanted to give is because they had given themselves first to God. And once they gave themselves to God, it was so easy to give their stuff. Does that make sense? They gave themselves to God first, and then they were willing to give their stuff. I want to tell you, when you come to the foot of a bloodstained cross, and you go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for purchasing my salvation. Thank you for making it possible for me to know you. Wow, Lord, now that you have me, now that I'm yours, now that I belong to you, what do you need, Lord? What do you need? And you begin to empty your pockets and you begin to offer to God uh, something out of gratitude. Not guilt, not greed, but gratitude. So we have the example of the early church when it came to why should we give. But let's go on. Paul is now using the example of the churches in Macedonia to encourage and challenge the church at Corinth. Okay? And so he says in verse 7 to the Corinthian congregation, Now as you excel in everything, and he begins to point out things in, in faith, and in, in speech, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. I'm not saying this as, as a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. So a second reason why we should give is we're told to excel in giving. And that's what Paul is pointing out to the, to the church in Corinth. He says, hey guys, I want you to know something. God used the churches over here, your next door neighbors in the province of Macedonia. He used them in such a way to, to minister to the saints in Jerusalem. They gave beyond their ability. Okay, They wanted to do it. They asked to be a part of it. And they didn't do what we expect. They gave themselves to God. Then they gave their stuff. And it overwhelmed us by their generosity. And he says, now church here in Corinth, you excel in so many things. You've had great teachers. You've got knowledge. You've got faith. You're very diligent about the things that you do. You have speech. You've had great speakers uh, like uh, Apollos and all these other guys. But listen, now I want you to excel in something else. I want you to excel in giving. And then Paul does something that we don't expect. Just like the Macedonians did something that he didn't expect. Here's Paul, instead of trying to guilt them, nope. Instead of appealing to greed, why don't you give to get? You know what he says? He says, I want you to excel in this act of grace, this what some translations call this grace giving. And he says, I'm not commanding you. Here is Paul the Apostle who wrote a third of the New Testament, who is the Apostle, right? Who saw the risen, glorified Christ on the road to Damascus. He could pull his 
card out. He could throw his rank and say, listen, I really think you should do this, hint, hint. But he doesn't command them. He says, look, I'm just telling you what God has done in these churches over here. You know what the Lord has done on the cross. And I think you need to excel in this, but I'm not commanding you to do it. He says, I'm not going to command you to do it. He said, instead, he says, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. I heard it said this way. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And you know what? If you really love, you will give. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. And so Paul is testing the genuineness of their love. He says, if you really love the Lord, if you really love others, then the gratitude will be there, which will overflow in generosity, and you will excel in this grace of giving. And that's where he's going. So why should we give? We have the example of the early church. We are told to excel in giving. And then I'll give you one more. We're expected to give. And I will read you the verses for that in verse 9 through 11. Paul after he says, I'm testing the genuineness of, his, of your love, he says, for you know. Now that phrase in the New Testament is very common. And whenever Paul uses that, he's reminding you of something that you already know. But he's bringing it to the forefront because he wants you to be thinking about it when he points to something. Okay, So now we're talking about giving. And he says, now you know, and he's about to point to the cross. He says there in verse 9, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though He was rich, for your sake He became poor, so that by His poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I'm giving advice because it's profitable for you, who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. Now also finish the task, so that just as there was an eager desire there may also be a completion according to what you have. Now, what is he saying? He's been pointing to these other, other churches that are Gentiles uh, that have come to know Christ, and they're giving out of gratitude. They've given themselves to God, then their stuff. He's amazed by their generosity. Now he's saying, I want you to excel in this act of grace giving as well. And then he says, now you know the cross, right? And I love this verse in um, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 because it is a gospel statement. It explains what the good news is about Jesus, what he did for you and I, but it puts it in economic terms, okay? We were talking this morning in Sunday school. How do you share your faith with someone if they don't read the Bible and they don't come to church? Can you share your faith and what it means without using Bible words and without using church words? That's really hard to do, by the way, if you think about it. But here is Paul, and he's sharing the gospel in an economic context. He says, look, you know that our Lord Jesus, he was rich. How do we know that? Because he's the Son of God. He was present at the beginning. You remember John 1.1 1, 1, in the beginning um, you know, was the word? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then 
verse 14 of John 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's the Word of God, and He was present at creation. He was God. He's there when everything began. He's rich. He's the Son of God. He, he, he's there in heaven right now. He is rich, and yet for our sake, He became poor. What's that mean? He came down from heaven. He entered our world. He entered the human race as a baby born to the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, completely God, completely man. And he became one of us. And he was dependent on Mary because he was a baby. And then he grew up. He was a boy. And then he grew up and he became a man. And he lived out this life before us. And it says here that though he was rich for your sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, you might become rich. You know, Jesus ultimately went to that cross and he said it's finished, right? He paid our sin debt before God. He offered himself. And so he emptied his riches to the point of becoming poor so that you and I can become rich. There's an exchange there. And that's what he did on the cross. That's putting it in economic terms, economic language. And what's Paul trying to say? He says, you know, think of the cross. Think of Jesus. Think of what he did for you and I. And when you realize that he did it for you and me, that produces gratitude. And gratitude leads to generosity there's no better way to give and there's no better reason to give than that so let's talk for a moment how should we give i want to go to first corinthians now we'll kind of stick with uh, paul talking to the same congregation just a different letter but in his first letter to the corinthian church first corinthians there in chapter 16, look at what he says. He's giving them instructions on how to give. He says, now about the collection for the saints. Remember, he's collecting an offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. He says, now about the collection for the saints. Do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches. On the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save in keeping with how he's prospering so that no collections will need to be made when I come. So he didn't want to have a collection when he came. He wanted them to have it ready so they, he could receive it. So how should we give? I'm going to give you three tips very quickly. I would say, number one, give proportionally. He says there to, um, to uh, give in keeping with your prospering. Now, I don't have time to go into it uh, in great detail. I do believe in tithing. I love what Adrian Rogers said about it. Um, I used to have a quote, and if I'd written it down, if I was smart enough to written it down, I would have read it, Devin, but I forgot. <laughs> but, but tithing, I believe, is biblical. Uh, it's, it's 10%. And I learned from a long time ago that you can't outgive God. When you give what belongs to God, the first fruit principle when you give what belongs to Him, He will bless you and He'll provide for your needs. But give proportionally. So we're not looking at an amount here, a dollar figure. We're looking at a percentage. Give proportionally. 
And I think if you will talk to the Lord about that, He will show you what to do, but give proportionally. The second thing is give consistently. Um, you know, he, he was consistent in what he told the churches, whether it was Corinth, the Galatian churches, or others. And I believe you and I should give consistently. And uh, then the third thing is to give faithfully. Give faithfully. And um, I, I have done that through the years. I don't say that to toot my own horn, but just to provide an example, uh, I think we need to give proportionally, consistently, and faithfully. And when you do, uh, then you are trusting God to meet your needs. Now, let me share this. This is something I want to do a little bit different with the time we have, is I want to remind you to remember God's promises. I want to share with you very quickly a couple of them, but there are some promises in the Word of God that I think give us an incentive to give beyond just the gratitude, but when we get into the nuts and bolts of it, uh, we need to remember God's promises. For instance, you cannot outgive God. Okay, um, Malachi three is the Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi was a prophet, and in Malachi three, he tells all of Israel to bring the the whole tithe, bring the 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 full ten percent into the storehouse. Now listen what he says because I want you to catch it. He says Malachi three ten, bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, test me in this way. I emphasize that for a, mo for, for a moment just to get your attention. God is saying, test me in this. Now you might, if you're perceptive, you might say, well, didn't Jesus tell the devil when he was tempted that we're not supposed to test God? That's right. But the only exception clause that I know of to that at all in the Bible from beginning to end and anywhere in between is this one exception right here. God is saying when it comes to giving, test me in this. If you will give what I have told you to give, then you will find that I will bless you. He says, see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not ruin the produce of your land and your vine and your field will not fail to produce fruit, says the Lord of armies. So what's God saying is this. You can't outgive me. If you give what I tell you to give, then you will find that you can't outgive me because I will be there to meet your needs and I'll be there to bless you. And he says, test me in this. If you don't believe it, test me in this. Now, that's not me talking, that's God talking. And when I see that in the Word written that way, I go, wow, that is amazing that He would do that. You know, I believe it was the, the Caterpillar company that, that makes all those big, you know, construction machines that move dirt and stuff. I think back in the day, the, uh, the founder of that, he was a believer, and he got to the point, I believe it was the Caterpillar company, he got to the point to where he gave God 90%. And he lived off the ten. And God just blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. Now that's an extreme example, I know. But I cite that story as proof that you can't outgive God. When you give to him, he's going to bless you. He can open up the floodgates of heaven. He can pour out the blessing without measure. He can rebuke the divider uh, and all those things. Uh, here's another promise. Now that's a promise from God. Here's another promise from God in His Word that I hope gives you an incentive to think about giving in a new way. 
and that is God looks at the heart. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians this time. And this time I'm going to be in chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And Paul is still in the next chapter. Uh, there in chapter 8 we looked at that, but in the ninth chapter he's still talking about giving. And there in verse 6, look at what he says. He says, the point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Now, I love that. God is saying that giving is a heart issue. And God takes care of our needs when we give from the heart. When we truly give from the heart. Again, I learned that at a young age because here I was in in the pew and I was thinking about giving and I'm like, hmm, I worked. I closed this week. I remember I'm being a high school student, you know, and I was working in local grocery store, and I'm like, man, I worked two nights this week. I worked Friday night. I worked Saturday from eleven to ten. I got a good check, and you want twenty, Lord? That's that's kind of a lot. I usually give like ten, but you you want twenty? You know, all that goes on in your head, right? And and you learn to. To give, you learn to to give cheerfully, you learn to give from the heart, and you learn to give it as an act of worship. You learn to to give and trust God to meet your need. And I want to tell you something. God looks more at the heart than He does the amount. Because you remember the story Jesus told where He goes there into the temple and people are are dropping stuff in, in the offering box there and He sees a poor widow that's got two little coins And she comes and she puts those two coins in the box and walks away. And Jesus says, ha ha, did you see that? And I'm sure they didn't. They didn't even notice. What, what, Lord, what? Did you see that that poor widow there? She gave more than anybody in this place. And they're like, what do you know that we don't, Lord? She got a lot of money. You know, she got wealth that nobody knows about. No, no, no. What little she had to live on, she gave it all. She gave more than anybody else. So God looks at the heart and he looks at the sacrifice. And so God looks at that when it comes to giving. There's one more incentive I want you to see, and it's right there in the same chapter, 2 Corinthians 9, how God will multiply your gift to bless others. Right there in 2 Corinthians 9, look in verse 10. It says, Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity. See, he's talking about generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of the service, the service to the saints in Jerusalem, is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God 
for his indescribable gift. Now, what Paul is saying there to these Gentile churches is, I'm so thankful, I'm so glad that you have given to this ministry to the saints in Jerusalem. Because when I deliver this offering to them and they receive it, they're going to see proof that you love God and that you love them. And they're going to praise God because of you. Why? Because they're going to see, as it says right here, it says they're going to, verse 13, they're going to glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ. In other words, this offering is proof to the profession you've made before man that you really do love God and you really do love people because you're demonstrating it through this service, through this giving, through this sacrifice. You put your money where your mouth is, as we might say. And so here we have an incentive. And what's the incentive? And I think it's a promise. God is able to multiply what you give to advance His kingdom. I know you've heard me say this for the past few years. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But remember the little boy that gave his sack lunch to Jesus? Jesus had been teaching the multitudes. And, you know, it had been a long day and they were all hungry. And he asked the disciples, what do we have? Well, we don't, we don't have anything around here. We're in Podunkville. There's no store. There's no groceries. There's no nothing. But, hey, wait a minute. Here's a little boy with a sack lunch. Jesus says, bring it to me. And he took that. He blessed it. He prayed over it. He blessed it. He broke it. And that fed a multitude. I want to tell you, what God is saying to us is, I want you to be a generous person. And I want it to start with gratitude because you know what Jesus did on the cross. He was rich, but for your sake, he became poor so that through his poverty, his death, burial, and resurrection, we might become rich. We might now become a child of God and know him and be with him forever. And so out of gratitude of the grace of God, we want to be generous too. And we're giving back a portion of what God's given us. We're giving it back to him. And we know that we cannot outgive God. We know that God will, will bless us if we give from the heart with the right attitude, not begrudging, but willingly. And we know that when we give, God will take it regardless of what it is. He will take that and he will bless it. He will multiply it to do all kinds of stuff in the kingdom of God. Isn't that good? I tell you what, that, that's the biblical reason as to why you and I should give. And it's the heart, it's gratitude, it's grace, and it's generosity. And it's all wrapped up into what he said in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. What does that mean? That's the good news. That's the gospel. The good news is that God loves you and me. And he sent Jesus Christ into this world. He lived the life that you and I should have lived. He died the death that you and I deserved. He was rich, but for our sake he became poor. So that through his poverty, he paid it all. We might become rich. We might come to know God. Know Him, love Him, serve Him, and follow Him 
And so today, we're going to have a time of invitation. Let's all stand. And as I pray, we want the musicians and ushers and everyone come. And let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. Thank you for this time to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for this time in your word. Lord, I pray that we'll be encouraged and even challenged, Lord, to be a more generous person. Lord, that we won't be moved by guilt or greed, but Lord, we will be impacted by gratitude. Because we know, Lord, when we look at the cross, we see the grace of God. Lord, when we look at the cross, we see what you gave up. We say we see what you did on our behalf so that we might be forgiven, so that we might come to know you. And Lord, out of your grace and out of gratitude, we want to humbly, Lord, give ourselves to you and then give our stuff. And Father, we worship you, we praise you, we thank you for being an awesome God. Lord, help us to be generous just like you are generous. And Lord, I pray that whatever we give, we give from the heart, that you will meet our needs. But more than that, Lord, you will take this humble offering that we give to you. And Lord, that you will multiply it to do your work in your kingdom around the world. Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.